Um, where it starts with Hayula Fanav Minim Harbe. Okay, and we dealt with the whole issue of what things uh, need brachot if they're not in good shape, etc. This is if he has many things in front of him or her, as the case may be. Uh, and uh, what what do you eat first? What do you say the bracha first, etc.? That's the question. And whether one bracha fulfills the responsibility for all of them? Do you need separate brachot? Um, do you need uh, one to take advantage of all of them? That kind of thing. So that's what we're going to start with now, um, and we'll go as far as we can today. So the the alaf hayulafanab minim harbe. Somebody want to read? Right, yes, sir. Okay, so the question is, what happens if you have a number of different things and the brachot are borei priyadama, through all of them, or borei priyayets, or shehakol? Okay. Okay, so Rabbi Yehuda says, min shiva. The seven blessed fruits by which Israel is blessed, Eretz Sorad, etc., in the book of Deuteronomy, that comes. What that's what comes first, okay? That's what comes first. Rabbanan Savre, Rabbanan said, Min Chaviv Adiv. Chaviv means your favorite one. Okay. So the question is, do you go by the biblical text in the book of Deuteronomy? Don't. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Don't mind that person behind the curtain. <laughs> um, or do you take min chaviv, that which you enjoy first? That's the machloket, according to this. When the brachot are equivalent. When the brachot are equivalent. Aval. <laughs> Okay, so what, but if their brachot aren't equivalent, means one is borei priyayets, one is borei piyadama, what do you do? You say one, and then you say the other. Now this doesn't totally answer our question because you still don't know which one comes first, right? Is borei priyayets more important, borei piyadama? Doesn't tell us. But the machloket is between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbanan having to do with Brachot being exactly the same. Now, of course, we have to talk about that. Metvei. Okay, we have a tiny, another tiny idic source. Which it's known is right. Okay, it's known as a radish today. Okay, and you have a zayit, which is an olive. Mevarech alatznon. That seems to be odd because of two things. One for sure. One is one of the seven. And. Why don't you say two? Huh? Why don't you say one for each? Okay, what, what, why don't, okay, but which one comes first is really they're saying. And why, right, why don't you say one for each? Okay, that's one of them. If you have a Zayat and you have a, a Tznon, which normally most people would prefer. Zayat, I mean two. So there are a number of questions about the source, but that's the source. So what With what are we do, really t- talking about? Ikar. 
Okay, remember we learned Ikar and Tafel, that which is the major part or the major portion, that comes first, and you don't have to say the bracha for the second one. Okay, but... All right, that may solve the issue of which one you say first in a general case, okay, because one is the Ikar, but what according to Rabbi Yehuda... As Sandy said, it's one of the Shiva Minim. And being one of the Shiva Minim, one of the seven species by which Israel is blessed, it should come first. Therefore, this can't be according to Rabbi Yehuda. Does that mean that Rabbi Yehuda doesn't hold something that everybody else holds? Everybody else holds if you have, you know, we've talked about this before, you have something which is cooked. Okay? The, ma- the biggest question is, what is the main ingredient? That's what you say the bracha for. In this case, Rabbi, would Rabbi Huda say, I'm going to say the bracha on the zayat, on the olive, even though the tznun is the ikar? That clearly is not something that we normally follow. What makes the tznun ikar here? Okay, so you had a big snon and a little tzayit. <laughs> that's, <what> the, <laughs> that's the car. I'm not sure who eats that kind of thing, but you want to keep people away from you, eat the snon and. Uh, <laughs> but, but lots of people eat lots of radishes. This, this one, this one says that the um, the tzayit is not the olive is eaten only to blunt the sharpness there of the radish. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. All right. And if you say that Rabbi Yehuda doesn't hold that, we have another Tanaitic source which says exactly if you're saying, in this case, because the Tznon is the Ikar and the Zayat is the Tafel, you say the Bracha on the Tznon and not on the, not on the Zayat. So the answer to the first part is the olam. Everybody recognizes that this is a case of the tsnonazikar. So therefore, there must be something that they're disagreeing on, which is not this issue. So what can they disagree on? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then this is a terminus technicus. So, the Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda, and if they do disagree, they don't disagree with regard to Tznon Ikar and Zayat Tafel. Everybody would agree. But, Bimilta Achrite Plige, they disagree on something else. Milta is a Davar, and Achrite is Acher. Tavar acher plige. Chasurei mechasreva hachitnana is a terminus technicus, which literally means there is something missing from the text, and this is how you should read it. Okay? Chasurei means chaser. There's something missing. Okay? Missing in this case. So, one, you can take this a number of different ways. One is, one would say, oh, that means they have another manuscript. Possible. Two, they have another tradition. Possible. Probably means this is really what the text is saying, 
even though it's an abbreviated form, you have to read it in a certain kind of context. And in order to understand what the issues are, you have to take the context and elaborate it. Make it much more definable so that you can understand it. Yes? Maybe because of Torah Shabalpeh. It's, it's all Torah It's not only that. Everything's Torah Shabalpeh. Everything is oral. So the question is, does that mean that somebody else has a tradition that this is really what it says? It's possible, but odds are it is. This is really how you should understand it, and in order to understand it, you really have to read the text in this fashion. Okay? No, no, Hayulaf Anav. Okay, first of all, Hayulaf Anav. The first few words. Hayulaf Anav Tznonu Okay, this is how you should read it. He has some radish and some olives in front of him. What does that refer to? That has to do with, as we all agree above, when the radish is the major part of the eat what he's eating. But when the tznon isn't ikar, then you say one blessing over one and another blessing over another. And so far it seems it doesn't matter which one you say first. And now we have, if you have two brachot, of two separate things that are both borei priyadama, borei priyades. Okay, Rabbanan basically say, as we call this the Mishnah, they, which one do you say? Whichever one you want. And normally that's the one you want to eat first. Okay, if you're having the tznon and the zayat are the same things, let's say, then you would eat one what you want. But, it, it, exactly the same. But Rav Yehuda Omer. <laughs> ah, Rav Yehuda disagrees. So, what is this saying? The original agreement, disagreement we thought had to do with the fact that there was Tznon and there was Zayat in front of him. And one would say one blessing, the Tznon first. So, Rav Yehuda can't hold by that. Because he said you have to say the blessing over. The mean shiva. Does that mean Rabbi Yehuda doesn't hold X? Of course, Rabbi holds. You say the ikar. So you have this whole disagreement to a point where you cannot go any further. We know they disagree, but we don't know exactly on what they disagree. And it finally came to the to the Talmudic or the sense of saying the only way you can understand it is everybody agrees on one principle. If there's an ikar and a tafel, a main major thing and a minor thing, you say the blessing on the major. If there are two things that are exactly the same, then there's a disagreement. If they're exactly the same, Rabbanan said, Kol whichever one you want. And the Chacha and Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you have to say first from the Min Shiva, first of the seven that come from the biblical verse. <coughs> That's again the Talmudic dialectic of trying to understand the context of the of the disagreement. Questions? So no, we haven't answered all the questions yet. But yeah. just, no, I'm just saying in terms of halakha or anything like that. So, so in the latter case, we have two identical things, 
both interpretations would be practiced depending upon well now we have a disagreement we don't have we presumably it means that there was a disagreement right. we have Rabbanan and Rabbi Yehuda right. normally halakha is kirabim halakha is like the majority presumably that would be Rabbanan but we haven't finished the disagreement at this point that's normally the case where we would be at this point Okay, so it's not really which one you want. Eventually, you have to come down to again what law is, so that everybody does the same thing. Okay, were there different I'm traditions? I'm referencing to the law committee today, where you could have two existing opinions. Correct. You could have two existing opinions um, in, in that case, which may be diametrically opposed, but eventually somebody's got to make a decision. And the decision in the case of the law committee is the maradatra, right. the person who is the decisor in the school, the synagogue, the youth group, whatever the case may be. So somebody's eventually got to even take these two opinions and make a decision. Otherwise, you end up with havoc and chaos. Okay, and I go back to lighting Hanukkah candles, the difference between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillos. One point, you got to know what day it is and how you light them. So, in, in a dialectic of discussion of an oral tradition, you can do this as a sense of learning, and people can disagree at a certain point. At a certain point, when you need to be able to have a law, so that if you're eating at Nessie's house and you're eating at your house, everybody knows. Yeah, well, this is the bracha that we say first. You may say, well, this is my tradition in certain kinds of things, and that's Nessie's tradition in certain kinds of things. But at a certain point, there has to. Otherwise, you end up with chaos. Okay. So let's look below the Iyunim. Mamakdinim Rachot. Oracha Halacha. Sorry, Oracha Halacha. So here it says, Richard, there are two different ways of following the Halacha. LP. Mm-hmm. So, so the Rosh, one of the commentators says, one of the halakhakas, you follow Rabbi Yehuda, which means if there is one of the Shiva Minim, you eat of the Shiva Minim, but if there isn't, each one, every one you want, like first. Okay, and if they're not equivalent, pick whichever one you want to say first. Okay, now the Rambam, on the other hand, holds that you say the Chavi, you say that which is, you know, even if there's seven fruits, you say that which is, is the most uh, pleasing to you. Now the Rosh is Ashkenazic, the Rambam is actually Sephardic. If they're now equivalent, the, the overall thing is which one you want first. But if they're two, if there is something from the Shiva, you can pick, you, that would be better for you to do first. So there and no, and the halacha itself wasn't pasked. It wasn't. There are different traditions, and there are some people who say hold by the first one, and others who say make up your own. 
Okay? You can make, as long as you're following a legitimate tradition, you can follow either tradition. That's unusual, but to a large extent, you know, it's not a public thing. Okay? It's in your private house, which bracha you say first. Here you see the old story. Everybody agrees you have to say a bracha. Everybody knows which bracha you're going to say. Everybody agrees that there's a majority and a minority in the, in the food stuff, which one you say. But which one you say first, eh, not so important, according to some. To Rabbi Yehuda, it's very important. To others, not as important. Okay? So, now we're going to continue with this discussion. Where are you? Where, where, where are you? Jump back to the text. No, Okay, so now this the and Rabbi Yehuda is a Tanaitic argument, and we have got a mate. We had a mateve, which is a Tanaitic time. We had a Hatanya, which is a Tanaitic time. Okay, it's all chronologically. Now we get to Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Yitzchak Napcha, which is an Aramaic time. Okay? Okay, so Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Yitzchak Nafka are looking at this disagreement much later and said, there, what is the basis of this disagreement? Okay? Chadamar, one of them says, oral tradition, we don't know which one. They disagree when the brachas are exactly equivalent. Let's say. Rabbi Yehuda says, if there's one of the Shiva Minim, of the seven species, that comes first. Rabbanan say, Min Chavivadif, whichever one you like. But when they're not equivalent, Divrei Akol, everybody says, You have to say one first, and, and another one later. And again, it doesn't tell us in this case which one. Okay? So the disagreement is only on the basis of when they're equivalent, all of the brachot, and you have all of these things in front of you, same bracha, which one do you take first? According to Rabbi Yehuda, min shiva, from the Torah. According to the Chachamim, it really doesn't matter, because you said the bracha, you can eat whatever you want, take that's what you really want to eat. That's the, that's the disagreement. The Chadamar, that, and the other one says, not only is there a disagreement having to do with that, but there's also a disagreement having to do when their brachot are not the same. Which one comes first? Okay? So, what you have here, again, structurally, is, is a Tanaitic argument of Rabbanan and Rabbi Yehuda. And we've spent a good deal of time in the Talmudic tracts trying to understand what's the basis of the of the disagreement. Is it because it's Ikart and Tafel, because that which is major and that which is minor? Now they all agree to that. 
It has to do eventually when you have certain brachot in front of you, which one do you say first? And that's the chasurei mecharsra. Like they brought that whole, if you will, expanded text. We now move to the Aramaic, Amoraic period. Okay? And they say there's a disagreement on what their, what their disagreement of a couple generations earlier was all about. Okay? One said it had to do with everything with the same bracha in front of you. But if there's different brachot, you have to say different brachot. The other one says, no, no, the argument is involved with both of them. Both when the brachot are the same and when the brachot are different. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, sorry, sorry. When we're talking about which brachot to say, are we really talking about what you're going to eat first? I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, you're going to say the bracha and eat it for sure. Sure. Well, that's, I mean, why, that's why the favorite makes more sense. Right? You have an olive and a radish in front of you, and you want to eat the olive, and you're eating the radish because it's there, and maybe it'll fill you up a little bit more, so you figure, okay. I mean, I'm not saying it decides correct, the argument, but, but you're really talking about Correct, but, but again, right? one could say there's, a rat, you know, there's an apple, okay, and an olive, <coughs> okay? Uh, gee, officially, I mean, I want to eat the apple, and the olive is like a, ta- you know, a chaser, that kind of thing, right? What, what, what else? Is it? On the other hand, but an apple's bigger than an olive is bigger, right? But, okay, but the bracha would be the same, okay? Bracha is the same. Rabbi Yehuda says, you know, I understand you want to eat the apple first. I get it. That's really what you want to eat. But to be honest with you, you want to be loyal to Eretz Yisrael. That's the I issue. So it's a big. Which you eat first rather than the, the blessing. Yeah, yeah, we are right. No, it's the blessing over which you're saying it because you're going to then eat the, the. You don't have to say the blessing again over the apple. You've said it. Right. Yeah. I don't understand how they bring up these discussions from generation to generation. The Tanaid, they discussed it and they wrote what they what they thought was right. So then the next generation, the Amoritic, however you pronounce it, do they all of a sudden bring up this idea of what you say first when you have different different species? I mean, why would they also bring this up and then why couldn't you bring it up again later and then re-decide what it is? All of a sudden they want to know which you bless first. Because, again, th- there's a number of principles involved. Number one, remember all this is oral. Okay, so it's yeah. handed down one group to the next. Right. Two, the, the, the principle again is the, clo- the earlier the authentic source, the closer it is to revelation, the more authentic it is. So the Amoraim, the later generation, will not disagree with the earlier generation. They may say, and that's why the Talmud spent so much time in its dialectic, this looks as if Rabbi Ami, I'm just taking names, disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda. Okay? Or Rav disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is already in Palestine of an earlier time. Rav is in Babylonia of a later time. And then the Talmud says, no, no. Rav doesn't disagree with Rabbi Yehuda. Either one of two possibilities. Either, as we've seen, he really agrees with Rabbi Yehuda, but he's really talking about something else. Another extenuating circumstance. Another angle to the, disagree, to the discussion. That's one. Or, Rabbi Yehuda also disagrees with Rabbi Meir. Well, Rav can hold like Rabbi Meir and not necessarily like Rabbi Yehuda. 
but you don't want to end up with a case where Rav of a couple generations later than Rav Yehuda disagrees with an earlier source. That's why the Talmud goes through so much to try to say, no, 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 that's not really the case. Chasuri machasur, this really is the case. It's made up. That I understand. Right. So then I don't understand the question. Sorry. Right. But you don't do that every year. Why would they pick? Why they don't every generation go uh, discuss every rule? How often do they do? Ah, uh, okay. No. The answer is we don't know, because it's an oral tradition. This is what we're left with. And I mean, why would they bring up like the, the olive? And I mean, and, and there probably were things they didn't bring up. Uh, of course. What, first of all, once they came, in, in a normal sense. The rule applies to the majority. Okay, so Rabbanan would carry the day. But this is actually a, a, an interesting philosophical discussion. Steve's answer is, you're going to throw a thing that you want first. Come on. This is very human. And Rabbi Yudah says, uh-uh, guys. There's a bigger issue here. The bigger issue is, when you eat, and in Birkat Amazon, what do you do? You mention Eretz Yisrael. Okay? That's even more important than your own wishes. So this seems to have been carried as a further discussion later in time. Did, did they, was there each generation this discussion? We have no clue. Did they know of the discussion and simply follow it? We only have what we have. We only have what we have. So what it, what it means is that at certain times some of the disagreements were revisited. Yes, some. Some, not all. That they thought were important. That they saw they're important, or they were not resolved, That's, yeah. or not resolved. Or they were not evidence that it was resolved. Yeah. And some probably were not. Yeah, clearly some were not. Okay, if you get the rumbum saying, you know, the halacha being, well, you can decide what you want. You can imagine that in those days it wasn't resolved either. It's, it's also, I think we forget, we're sitting here looking at a printed book, mm -hmm. and there they have to learn it, and who knows how long it takes took them to learn it so as you keep they must have have to have kept repeating it in order to remember it you can't I can't imagine you can learn this just once and be able to repeat it so if you keep repeating it maybe as you're repeating it you come up with something and then you have that discussion so all of a sudden you know just like you read the Torah as you're three days older ten days older ten years older you come up with something new it would be the same thing here every time you look at it you see it in a different way and then all of a sudden something well that doesn't sound right that doesn't yeah no I'm, I'm, but Jane, I understand Jane's question if I understand it correctly it's you know why is it then and not another time that it's raised and I don't have an answer no you know but it's an oral tradition this is what we have this is what we have one would think that the social context which is changing would cause some issue. We've seen that with regard to commercial and agricultural, right? I don't understand what that means. Yeah. But those articles, what that really well, means. I mean, it's, it's possible. Today, I mean, we're trying to make, you know, we're trying to interpret the halakha. Right, we're trying to interpret the text which is... Within yeah. the context of the society in which we live. Correct. And I would assume that they're doing the same thing. Very possible. Very possible. Right. Yeah. Is it also possible that if the interpretation of the language changes over time, that the meaning of words? May the answer it does because we saw that already last time, having to do with some agricultural terms. This one I don't think so. I mean, Snon and Zayed are pretty clear, <laughs> but sometimes it could be. 
Okay, so they, we now have Ravami and Ravi Yitzchak telling us this is really the context of that earlier discussion. So now we have to figure out what that means. Bishlama. Shapir. Okay, Bishla, it, it makes sense to the person who says that their brachot are exactly the same. Shapir means it's fine. That makes sense for there to be a discussion, a disagreement between Rabbanan and Rabbi Yehuda. But. But if their if their brachot are different, what's the basis of the discussion? Snona and Zayat have the same things. I mean, okay, if they don't, what's the real what's the real discussion here? What's the disagreement? And they say, lehakdim, in order to be done earlier. Okay, this is the verse. They bring it right at the end of all of our discussions, right? Because they presume you know it. You know it. Okay? And the discussion is these are the seven fruits by which Israel is blessed. We'll read it in uh, a few weeks. Um, and kola mukdamba pasuk mukdam la bracha. You have before you different things. There's a different blessing for chita and sora than there is for gefen. There's a different one for gefen than there is for teena. Right? There are. There is a different one for devash. Now I have things that are in front of me, which have different brachot, and on top of it. They're also from the Shiva Minim. Which one do I say first? And the response is, earlier one in the verse. So the answer, Steve, again, is there's an overriding philosophical concept here. Of not just, yeah, I want to take this because I want to eat it, but put this all in the realm of these are the things by which Israel was blessed, and you should see it as such as well, so that you appreciate what the food is all about. And again, when you think about it, Hazanet Takol makes sense, right? Al Haaretz, the Al Amazon. We had this whole thing already, Berkat Amazon. You have to say Al Haaretz. Embedded in the concept of eating, at least in Berkat Amazon, is the blessing for the land. And that land, of course, is Israel, not just the land. Nasher Natan Lach. Okay, so that's how you have to see it in that realm. Now, Let's look at Orach HaHalacha, the bottom of the page. Okay, so, if they're all equivalent, you hold the earlier one. Now, we're going to go into a section now, which um, basically is going to be a potpourri of different halachot that are brought to us. And it'll take us from eating fruits into entire concepts of Tuman Torah, of purity and impurity, having to do with some of the more difficult concepts. Okay? 
because they're going to re- say this this verse has to do with a whole different realm of just not, not just what comes first in eating but for something else as well okay okay Rabbi Hanan holds something different the pasuk itself isn't to tell us necessarily which one you eat first it's to remind us that each of these seven have a special relationship to some sort of shi'ur some sort of category of either volume or liquid that's that's what this verse is all about and why it's important in the realm of being stated in that in, in its context and in its order and he's now going to parse or the Talmud is I don't know if it's him necessarily is going to parse out each one of these having to do with what is the shiur what is the measure by which each of these items is involved with which has nothing to do with eating and everything to do in almost every case with Tuma and Tohorah purity and impurity again is one of the most difficult concepts for us to understand it's not hygiene it's a spiritual cleanliness and we know that you had to be spiritually pure obviously to take your stuff to the temple obviously to serve in the temple but remember again we're dealing with Pharisees and table fellowship and they wanted to eat in, in, in purity and so purity in those days was something critical we have only a couple of remnants to the concepts of purity and impurity okay what remnants do we carry on in the realms of purity and impurity what the mikvah okay the mikvah specifically with tarata mishpacha with a woman going after her menstrual period that's dealing with tuma and Torah. okay it's not hygiene it may have had something to do in those days also with hygiene but today clearly it doesn't what else Preparations for the dead to some extent. To some extent. Kohen. The rules of the Kohen of this cemetery. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to talk loud. The rules of the Kohen in the cemetery and coming near a corpse, those still apply for those who care for it. We've had occasions in the last week or so to deal with that in this building, etc. What else? Kaling. Okay. Kaling. For some people to they go to they they do they tovel their Kaling. Okay, they they put their 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 stuff that's created that it was made normally by non-Jews into a mikvah, so it's pure. Good. What else? Great so far. Conversion. Now, conversion is two man Torah, really. Niti latyadayim. Very good. Or washing your hands when you leave a cemetery. Okay. But that's a coin. Coin can't go in there, so it's everybody else, really. Okay, all of those are remnants uh, of it. Today, as we know, everybody's impure, and we carry it on symbolically. And everybody's impure because we don't have the red heifer and the ashes of the red heifer. Therefore, too much mate is applied to all of us. 
meaning we could not go in to the temple precincts. Can you come into the synagogue? Clearly. Okay? So all of it is symbolic. One would say the one that really isn't symbolic is Tarat Mishpacha. Okay? Because something can't, sexual relations isn't supposed to happen until that takes place. Alright? But if a Kohen goes into the cemetery, can the Kohen still come up in Duchen? The answer is yes, the Kohen can still come up in Duchen. There's no way for him to be pure, but Kohenim try to be careful as much as possible at least. So, Tuman Torah is a very difficult thing to try to explain. In the ancient world, it seems to have been unbelievably important, and anthropology has tried to explain it in different, different ways. Mary Douglas, all those, you know, try to look into it and try to understand what it meant. It meant, really, for us, as a level of, of a higher spiritual being. You try to live your life, Kiddoshim Tihiyu, in a sense of physical and spiritual purity. It related, of course, to anything coming into spiritual or the became physical precincts. The Ohel Moed, the whole issue of the leper going outside and it was only contagion and, 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 and all of the people going to the mikvah and the Kohen Gadol going a number of times to the mikvah before Yom Kippur, all of that related. And the special clothing that had to be worn, etc. Into that place, one had to be pure. You tried, according to the Pharisees, to be as pure as possible at other times as well. Do you think it will happen that some people will agree we finally have a, a, a red heifer? <laughs> so far they've not been successful in breeding one. On a personal level, I hope they are not successful. <laughs> because if they are, that group will go right to the Temple Mount and do the next part of it. That'll be the, you can't do the Temple Mount without the Paraduma. If they can create one and go through, they'll be ready to go to the Temple Mount. Do, do we know historically, at the time they're writing, they're, at the time this is getting written down, was it still important? Good question. The, the answer was there was no temple when it was being written down. Right. So it was still symbolic. The question, the, 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 why is all of this rehearsed and rehearsed? One can say a couple of reasons. One, because they fully believe the temple would be rebuilt and they would go back. It's one. Two, it's Torah L'Shem Torah. It's Torah for learning. Okay, what can I do? That's what the Torah writes about. I've got to study it and I've got to learn it. Either one is, is, is a fair condition for why this becomes important. So, when you look at in the 21st century that we're studying this, okay, are we? If some of you may be around this table saying, gee, I need to study this because, who knows, maybe Mike has to get ready for the Kohen Agado once we found the Paraduma. <laughs> or not, not Kohen Agado, just the Kohen, we'll say. Okay? And some of us say, look, this is what the text is, you know? It's like people ask me, how come that's in the Torah? It is, I can't help it. It's there, I may not agree with it, but I've got to study it and try to figure it out. Not all of tradition makes sense. Not all the world makes sense. It's not that you just discard it. The question is, what do you do with it? So now we're going to deal with measures having to do with purity and impurity. Whether you like it or not, it's in the text. Do you like the idea that it's a form of a voda, like tefillah? Well, in, in a sense, it's Torah Lishma, you know? Thank you. Well, so, first of all, chita. 
דינתן הנכנס לבית המנוגן וחילב על כתפיו וסנדליו וקברותיו בידיו, הוא והן צמאים מיד. היה לבוש כליו וסנדליו ברגליו וטבעותיו ואצבעותיו היה טמא מיד. והן טהורים עד שיהיה בכדי אכילת פרס, פת חיטים ולא פת שעורים, מסף ואוכלן בנפתח. אוקיי. All of that. This has to do with Chita. So let's try to. Hanichnas lebayit minuga. Minuga comes from nega. And where do we know nega from? Nega tsaraat. We're dealing with a house that is quote unquote leprous, which we read, which we've read, and is may have been some sort of mold. But it was seen to be a cursed house. And what did you do in a cursed house? You got the heck out. You'd bring the Kohen, oh, this house has to be purified. You'd sit outside till it could till the fungus got away, etc. So Hanyaknasla Bait Haminuga Vikhailav and he's Al Kitefav. He's holding a sack with all his things on his back. Okay? Visandalav Vitabotabiadav. And he's holding things. He's holding his sandals and he's holding Tabotab rings, we'll say is what it is. Meaning, what's he not doing? Wearing them. They're separate from him. He's carrying things. Who? The haint me'im miyad. He is tamay, and they are tamayim. He'll have to go out, he'll have to be away for seven days, he'll have to go to the mikvah, da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay? Haya lavush ke'lav v'sandalav v'raglav v'tabotav v'tzavotav. But he's now wearing these things. He becomes tame, he becomes impure immediately. They, all of those things that he is wearing, are tahor, ad achilat pras. Until he stays long enough to eat achilat pras, which may be in, in this, uh, I'm not sure if it's in the uh, pamphlet I gave you, it's a certain amount of time that you need to eat a piece of bread. That's how they defined it. Okay? If he stays a certain amount, if he goes in and gets right away, out right away, he's Tamei, what he's wearing isn't. If he stays a certain amount of time, and that's a measure, then he is Tamei, and what he's wearing is Tamei. Patchitin v'lo patseorim. Okay? What does that mean? How fast you eat it? Of something of wheat and not of barley. May save ochlan beliftan. And it's as if you sat down and ate this thing. Beliftan, remember we said before, is like mopping something up, taking the bread and, and, you know, mopping it up. That's the amount of time. They didn't say, well, it's 30 seconds. It's the amount of time it takes you to eat this kind of thing. If you're in for that amount of time, he's tame and what he's wearing tame. If he's not, if he just goes in, says, whoops, wrong house, get out, only he's tame. So he's carrying his clothes and all those things. Correct. That's the halal. This is what this text says. It's a very different thing than he's wearing him or carrying them, because it's not on the person. Okay. The equivalent would be 
Shabbos. If you don't have an Eruv, if you're wearing something, it's part of you. If you're carrying something, it's not part of you. It's a separate item. It's an appendage. But he had to get out of the house. He's got to get out of the house. Right. Yeah, but he, he took these things that were in the house out with him. If there's anything left in the house, this is, he's walking in holding these things. If there's things left in the house, they're already tummy, because they've been sitting there for a while. This is him carrying things in that, that way. Why is this important? It's important for dealing with mitzora or that kind of thing. But it's important for us because of the shiur of chita. That's why it's brought. Er is chita usora. I need to learn chita for this. Next one. Oh, but <coughs> means literally to to wipe it up with you know with bread with that. Liftan is dessert, really, or thing, something accompanying. Oh, Another law. Etzem kisora. Okay, a bone. And the Alberts know you find bones everywhere, right? Cemeteries weren't like they are today. They weren't defined. You found bones everywhere. If there is a bone, human bone, that is equivalent of a measure of a barley kernel, what happens? There are different kinds of tum'ah. One is carrying one is touching, one is sitting on, and one is ohel, which means the place. Okay, tumat ohel means the tent, but it means if there is a corpse in this room, this is tumat ohel, the whole place. There are certain things where it itself is tamay, only I only become tamay if I touch it. There are certain places only if I carry it. And there's certain things only if I sit, if this chair is Tameh, and I sit on it. How could it become Tameh? Transferable. A woman who was a menstruant sat on different kinds of things. Okay? Under those kind of conditions, there are different concepts. Etzem Kisora, if you find a bone, and you pick it up, you touch it, you become Tameh. But if you find a bone in this room, like a sora, the room itself doesn't become tummy. Only if it's larger. There's a sora, zayat, beitza. Remember the different measures that you already have in the in the things that I gave you. Different measures. That's how they measured things. It wasn't so many fluid ounces. Okay, I know. Even so, even so, my my daughter in Hadassah and Brian try to do with recipes. They can't understand one another. Why? Because they're dealing in different measures between Israel and here. Okay? Here, they, this, so they had to, how did they deal with measures? They dealt with it by something that was familiar to everybody. Remember we had just a, a Beit Sab Benoni and all those kind of things. So, it doesn't specifically say what bone. No, it's human bone. Human bone. It doesn't say what bone. Not the femur or white right, no. Correct. So the answer is, again, in their society, they knew what they were talking about. Okay? In their society, they knew what they were talking about, and that became their concept. 
Thank so you. that sure. Thank you. That's it. This was the last one. For, we'll pick it up. I'll miss everyone. Have a good summer. Sorry to interrupt. We'll see you in Shul. Thank you. All right. So that, we've done Tita and Sora. All right. All right. That talks in terms of of uh, 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 fragment of a bow the size of a grain of barley. And I think you just said that if, if you've got a, something bigger than the room itself or the tent itself, there's another measure for the room itself. It's another. There, if it's that small, then the room itself doesn't become big because it's not only the room; it's everything in the room. So they made a, a higher level of, of measurement. Where's that? That's not in this one. Okay. It's a different law. I think I think it's Kazayat, if I remember correctly. There's a difference between etzim and basar, and whether it's flesh or whether it's uh, bone. We'd have to check it. I don't remember. Okay. Okay. We're good so far. You never thought we were going to be talking about this. I know. So, so this is, is this is pulling bits from other places. Correct. This is all different places to tell us why this verse is there. Okay. It's got nothing to do with what comes first or what comes next. It's got to do what the oral tradition was going to teach us with regard to what are measures. Geffen. Okay, we just dealt with Nizirut. I just talked about it Shabbat morning. And so how much wine or how much juice, grape juice, makes a nazir now no longer a nazir. Okay, and he has to bring, as I said, this Shabbat al-Khattah. Kedei rivi'it, a quarter. Okay, quarter of a log. It's, again, a measurement that they understood. All right, a measurement they understood. That is... um, in their understanding that if you just, you know, if you just, somebody gave him, you know, a drink and there was a little bit of, uh, you know, grape ju- and juice in it, depends how much grape juice is in it, more than anything. That's the she word that has to do with the Nazir. Next. Okay, so, Te'ina is a. Grogarit. Grogarit is again a form of te'ena, a certain size, having to do the hotza'at shabbat, meaning if you take less than a grogarit from your place to the public thoroughfare on shabbat when there's no eruv, it's okay. But if you take a grogarit or above from your place to the public do- the public domain on shabbat with an er- without an eruv. You have you have gone against the law. Everything has to have a certain measure. Okay, everything has to have a certain measure, and it does when you come down to it of what makes something pure and what makes something impure, what makes something legal and what makes something illegal, what makes something you know even even measurements of driving. You can go a certain amount, uh, only a certain amount in certain areas, and the law is that the changes in highways and different highways have different. Everything is measured at a certain point. If there's a below or above, depends now. If you're below, if it says 60 miles an hour and you go 58 miles an hour, you're fine. If you go, they give you a couple, but let's say 67, you're no longer fine officially. So everything has a measure at a certain point. They didn't do it, from, again, in terms of ounces, pounds, centimeters, meters. Didn't exist. 
and there are probably different ones having to do with Palestine and and in Babylonia, maybe even southern Palestine and and northern in Judea, and then in the northern part of the Galilee. Tanim are different, but they try to work out things that everybody understood that had to do, that had related to Jewish law. Mm-hmm. That's about the size, right? And again, people have different sizes of that too. <laughs> okay, so that's Tana. Next one, Rimon. Okay, so here you have Kokle Bale Batim, all the vessels in a house. Shuran Kirimonim, it has to do whether Tumah falls on them or doesn't fall on them. Has to do with like a Rimon. And again, everybody in those days, at least in Palestine, in Judea, would know what a Rimon was, what the pomegranate, how big the size of the pomegranate was. So we now have Eretz Tita Usora, Gefen Teina, Rimon. Ah, Eretz Shemen basically is. Eretz, meaning the land of Israel, everything is ultimately, most of it is the, the shiur of a zayat. Okay? The, uh, most of it in that case, but... Go ahead. All of it? Wait, we just had etzem kisora, <laughs> we just had chita with something, we just had, you know, grogeret, all of it? What what about all we just talked about? What about all, all everything that we just said? Ela? Sherov, you know, well, maybe not all of it. I, you know, I exaggerated. Okay, I exaggerated. Not everything is wonderful. Some things are wonderful. Okay? You know, it's like everybody says to me, Rabbi, do you know that everybody in the congregation says... I said, it usually means you and your neighbor. Everybody in the congregation says. There is no such thing in this congregation that everybody in the congregation says. Nobody, there's not one thing that everybody agrees on. I, that's the one thing I've learned in 30 years, you know? So, everybody says. Oh, thank you very much. Tell me who the everybody is. I want their names and addresses and everything else. Right. I'll take the addresses better. It's okay. I'll write them letter. So, under those conditions, most of it has to do with Zion, which is true. Most things have to do with Zion. And what's left? Dvash. Remember, this isn't bees honey, but date honey. How much are you allowed to eat on Yom Kippur before you go against the law? And you're allowed to eat certain things. This was part of my life. My grandfather was Shalom, my dad's dad was very traditional, was under doctor orders to eat on Yom Kippur. He had the perfect Kurt stubborn strain in him and said, there ain't no way I'm going to do that. So every few hours he would have that much milk and about that much of a kuchen, so he would never eat that much of this particular thing. <laughs> I'm eating, I'm eating. You know, well, he wasn't really eating, but he was going to go against the doctor orders no matter what my grandmother said. Okay? <laughs> so what do we end up with this verse? This verse gives us not what we eat, what do we eat first, all kinds of oral traditions which relate to shiurim according to this person has nothing to do with them themselves but a potpourri of laws in most cases of Tuman Tohorah. Sorry? 
No, gasa gasa is is big, big. Kotevet gasa means a a big. Kotevet um, is a is a date. I forget what does it say. Tamar, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one, how are we gonna? We now have the This Rabbi was it Rabbi Hanan? Yeah, he said all of this. And what about the other person who said who said, wait a minute, it has nothing to do with Shirim. It has to do with all the blessings. What about the other one? He's, and his response, wait, this verse looks like it's dealing with that? Come on, what's it? God blesses them with a land. It's got nothing to do with Shiurim. It's got nothing to do with measures. This comes much later with regard to the rabbi's injunctions. Asmachta be'alma. What is an asmachta? Proof. It's simply further proof. It's simply further proof of the shiurim. But it's not really, that's not what you should learn from it. So let's at least finish the Oracha Halacha on the previous page. Bayat Minuga. Second paragraph. No, Bayat Minuga, the top of the page. Okay, when you come into a house which is tame, molded or whatever, immediately you become impure. Okay, so again, if he was wearing them as one thing, if he was carrying them another thing, the same as the halachic. Okay, the bone of a kesora is maga and masa, meaning touching or carrying, but not ohel. That's the way the Mishnah says. Loke. He actually gets stripes because he got against the law. If he eats that, drinks that much wine or the equivalent thereof. Most of it has to do with Grogeret, with, with this kind of uh, Taina. If it, it Kalim vessels, if there is a, a hole in it as big as you can bring a, a pomegranate through it, then it doesn't it doesn't become to a to tame. Anything smaller becomes tame. Uh, next page. Again, Oracha Halakha. Mm-hmm. It's like a big date, but smaller than a medium-sized egg. Okay? And we'll stop there. So, you can see we've left in the middle of the discussion. Um, it, actually, this is. We have not yet figured out exactly where this goes. Um, we have a few pages to finish the parak. As I say, that would be my goal. Um, we will pick up in a few months.